I'm Kim. I'm Megs. Welcome to the At With Them podcast. Hey. Welcome back, everyone, to the At Wits End podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Megs. Welcome to episode eight, titled Avocado. I hardly know her. <laughs> Today, our fill and math segment is actually going to take the spotlight as the main focus of this episode. As we start to introduce more and more guests, uh, we talked to Courtney a couple weeks ago, and we wanted to include a few solo episodes of our own here and there where we spend basically the whole episode learning about something rather than just our usual format where we share our opinions and throw unsolicited advice at you for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, this week, Megs, our favorite resident botanist, is going to tell us some facts about plants, which, if I know you, required absolutely no research. <laughs> yeah, when we were traveling in Europe, Kim learned a whole lot about plants. Yeah, so today we're we're hitting up the grocery store, the health food store, and your store of knowledge when it comes to fruits, flowers, and the finer things of botany. <laughs> you did insert like a groaning sound effect after that one. <laughs> On the topic of learning about fruits, flowers, and botany, I have a burning question that I need you to clear up Go for, for me. It. <laughs> so I was talking to someone the other day. They asked me if avocado is a fruit or not, and I genuinely don't know the answer. Like, I think it is. I'm only going on the peaches have pits, avocados have pits kind of thing elaborate so i'll congratulate you on having more of like a logical progression than harry styles because he was in some sort of i I don't even know if it was like some little interview and they're asking him fruit or vegetable and he just got every single one of them wrong including avocados yeah avocados they're fruits (laughs) so like i i've mentioned before i finished my master's a couple years ago before that and like throughout my graduate studies and undergraduate studies my supervising professor taught your intro to plants like your second year basic plants course by the time I made it through my master's I think I taught that course six times Ross makes fun of botanists and friends and I take that very personally because he's a paleontologist dinosaurs are for children and that ends there (laughs) (laughs) but like you know some of the basics like fruits come from flowers the differences between fruits and vegetables like how grocery stores have just absolutely demolished our understanding of these basics and the secret life of flowers and plant sex like did you know that plants still intermingle they'll bomb to the wow wow i did not know that <laughs> i you know i fully have gone into a screaming match with my sister over butternut squash there's a lot in this to unpackage and so i'm really excited to that you know you've given me the spotlight right. here to <laughs> to take the stage okay so let's get into it then i have a lot of questions and absolutely zero knowledge on plants which probably explains a lot about the mortality rate of the ones i to grow at home (laughs) okay so yeah we'll start with flowers because you need the flowers to have fruit there are male flower parts and there are female flower parts a lot of people don't know that you have any kind of differentiation it's like oh it's a flower no so you have male and female flower parts and sometimes they're on the same flower and sometimes there are male flowers and female flowers that are on the same plant okay the male parts are simple which i feel like there's some sort of rude joke here that i can't really (laughs) come up with (laughs) about the simplicity of the male part but it's called the stamen and it's made up of an anther and a filament so i want you to think of like a lily 
when you think of a lily you have those big white pieces on the outside like the petals and then on the inside you have those long they look like orange like strings with like it looks like almost like a jelly bean on top of it do you know what i'm talking right. about right so yeah those are, those are the male parts of your lily the jelly bean part so that's called your anther you'll find the plant's pollen i.e the little swimmers of the plant world <laughs> If you need to compare it to human biology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I asked Tilo, I was like, hey, Tilo, quick, euthanism, euthanism, how do you say that? Euthanism? Euth- Euf- euphemism? Oh my God, this is colloquial- colloquialism <laughs> all over again. So I asked my husband, I was like, hey, quick, euthanism on, on sperm. And he's like, little swimmers, without a breath. Like, And I was like, okay, thank you very much. And then the female parts of a flower, the female part is called the pistol. And it's composed of the stigma, the style, and the ovary. Those are all words that, like, in one ear, shoot through the brain and out the other. But basically, you have a landing pad for pollen. So you have an area where the male parts can come in. And then you have, like, a long slide that's the style that's going to bring that pollen to the bakery or the ovary where things are going (laughs) to (laughs) bake. And that's how we're actually creating our fruit. So you have your female reproductive organ. And inside of it, you have ovules or eggs. And those are what need to be fertilized with the pollen. Okay, so if we're comparing it to (laughs) human biology, which is what, you know, people often do, although it's plant, we're talking specifically about plant biology, just the same way you have a sperm will fertilize an egg. Same thing is happening, but with usually more than one egg in, in plants. Okay. Once you have fertilization taking place, your ovules become seeds and the ovary, which is the bakery, will then develop, in most cases, into a fruit. Interesting. So are olive trees, because I know a lot of olive trees need to cross-pollinate, so, like, do flowers that are, how does it work if a flower, male parts and female parts, like, are separated? So that's a very good-looking question there, Kim. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So basically, you're looking at plant sex between male and female flowers via a third party, and in this case... It's a pollinator. So like when a you, bee. Like a yeah. So yes. Now, before Yes. <laughs> this is exactly Nailed it. you fell into my trap of <laughs> my favorite thing to rant about. Okay, so you've definitely seen the advertisements then for save. You've definitely seen the bee movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently isn't even like have you seen the bee movie? <laughs> I will once upon a time. I just know Jerry Seinfeld. Don't do it. It's so. That's about it. I hadn't watched it in years. And then like, I think during Thanksgiving, I wasn't feeling so hot. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'll partake in the B movie. I watched it and I was like, this is why I haven't seen it in 12 to 15 years. because Like some B movie fever dream. (laughs) Just like, just odd. Uh, but you know the whole save the bees advertisement. Like, you know, I, I remember seeing this ad for like, you have a grocery store. And it's empty. And the slogan is, this is what we would have without bees. It literally drives me honey nut Cheerios because... Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) the common knowledge and like the common thing that's really pushed on everyone implies that bees are are the one and only pollinators. But honeybees are not the only things that pollinate. Nor are honeybees the only types of bees. I want you to take a guess as to how many species of bees there are alone 20 okay times by three zeros <laughs> oh my god so there <laughs> i hope everybody understands that's 20 was every bee i've ever met is a different species <laughs> <laughs> not exactly 
But yeah. <laughs> so there are roughly 20,000 species of bees alone. And That's crazy. the honeybee that everyone is obsessed with, Apis mellifera, is not native nor endemic to different parts of the world, right? So like when you have, when you talk about something being endemic, it means that it evolved with a certain space or like in a certain place and being native means that it it can hang out in that place without kind of disrupting things and honeybees can actually be problematic and take over (laughs) like natural bee species that were there first everyone glamorizes them whatever yeah honeybees are not the only thing that pollinates and when it comes to pollination so the first thing that nobody really thinks of but we wouldn't have orchids or the entire Orchidaceae family, without something called anemopholy, i.e. wind pollination. Think of a lot of trees. Every spring, everybody feels like absolute dick, and that's because (laughs) (laughs) the trees are releasing their pollen, and it's the wind that's moving it through the air and getting it to the female parts. So on top of wind pollination, we have birds, bats, mammals bugs including butterflies moths flies ants bees and even wasps got it basically anything couldn't like our clothes te- like if we like brushed against a plant and then brushed against another plant yeah so some like technically be cross pollinators then yeah so it so it has it's a little more precise than that because you do need to get it to the same species kind of thing because it does work like a lock and key but some really intense gardeners will take paintbrushes and will just oh gently cool. brush from the male parts and into the female parts. This original like Save the Bees campaign was started in 2009 by Cheerios and they sent out to anybody who like wrote in packages of wildflower seeds. People were just, you know, tossing these wildflowers everywhere. The problem with that I remember though, that campaign. Do you? Is yeah. That they literally spread invasive flowers to places that they were never supposed to go, never would have gotten on their own. And then oh my god just like, capitalism ruining everything again <laughs> and it was like and so then it leaves everybody with this understanding that like it's just bees and it's a lot there's a lot of things that are that have co-evolved that are working with plants yeah it's like a whole ecosystem not just bees carrying the weight of the world on their back <laughs> yeah yeah screw the bees <laughs> not save the bees but, but bees are <laughs> bees who are do they really think important. they are <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was my whole thing about you, you that worked in perfectly. I didn't even have to write that into a note to be like, try to guess bees. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so when we're talking about flowers, so we have our male and our female flowers. And the other really cool thing that a lot of people don't know is something called inflorescence. So if you had to guess, what does that mean? Um, Glow-in-the-dark flowers. Yeah, you, like literally, I, it sounds like they glow in the dark. But basically, it's referring to arrangement and architecture of flowers on a plant. When I say flower, you think of, like, what what, what comes to mind when I say flower? Like, I don't know, like the typical flowers, like petals, pink, yellow. <laughs> Tulips. <laughs> like Daisies. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly, yeah. right? The, the big shocker, the majority of what we would, in quotes, say flowers, most of the time, they're not just made up of a single flower. And most... Like, single flowers that you're looking at are actually made up of tiny, smaller flowers that make up what we think is just one. Like broccoli? Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which we'll get to, we'll get to veggies after we get to, uh, or what we know as veggies. Yeah, so I want you to, when you think of, like, a tulip, 
you have okay. one a single flower so a tulip is a really good example of like a solitary flower where there's just one plant one flower right and so now i want you to picture a dandelion okay and everybody who's listening to this episode if anybody's on a walk right now go find a dandelion they should be out somewhere and when you're looking at a dandelion is it one flower or is it many flowers? Um, I always thought it was one, but I feel like you're going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually made up of... <laughs> not that you're wrong, that you have just not been educated in the... Not <laughs> <laughs> that you're just uneducated. <laughs> no, that the botany system failed you <laughs> in our crumbling education system. You were, you were lost in the education system. It wasn't your fault. One single dandelion that you would pick out of as like a weed it's made up of tiny flowers like that head that we see that's yellow and each if you look really really closely you'll see that it's made up of tiny little florets and the entire the inflorescence is called a head okay so now i want you to picture an orchid and describe to me what an orchid looks like three petals with like a like tongue thing coming <laughs> Yeah, that's so. <laughs> when it comes, I feel like that was a terrible description. You know but. what? It, it's it's pretty close. So you described only one of the flowers that actually belong the whole thing that makes up the flowers. So when we look at an orchid, it's usually a long branch, and on that branch you'll see multiple flowers put together. So it's right. actually the entire branch is considered the whole flower, and that one's called a racine. Okay. Now a peace lily. Can you describe, do you remember what a peace lily, I tried to pick flowers that like people should be able to kind of pull up without having to be like, what the motherfucking F is a peace lily, but do, can you describe for us what a peace lily looks like? I'm going to Google a peace lily. Okay. And then I'm going to describe what I see <laughs> okay. to you. I'm like, oh, it's these ones. I don't like these ones. I would describe it as one big white petal with a little polony looking mascara brush okay very good um, love it that is kind of taking center stage okay like the and the white petal is like a spotlight okay <laughs> you know what that's that's the what that's what the listeners need so when you look at that white what you <laughs> that's called the description everybody was looking yeah, at everyone's for. gonna be like oh my god the mascara rod right in the middle uh, yeah definitely oh my god one. i can pick i can picture it <laughs> <laughs> but everybody Anyways. give it a Google because I think that was a really good explanation. But when we look at a piece of so that white part or that white petal that you see, that's actually called, it's actually a modified leaf. So if you look at the way it looks, it does look like the green leaves that are part of that plant, but it's modified to cover that mascara rod. And that white part is called okay. the spathe. And what it's protecting is your mascara rod. And that's the spadix. And on the spadix, those are your flowers. Each of those oh. little bumps, those are actually flowers. Interesting. And they're all fused together. I thought, that's cool. I did not know that. Um. Okay, well, what kind of flower is a sunflower then? Oh, so that's a good one. Sunflowers are, so they come from a family called the Asteraceae or Asteraceae. And it's the largest plant family on earth. Do you want to take a guess as to how many species we have in this one? I feel like I'm going to be wrong again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100. Okay, 23,000 species. Okay. Like well over 23,000. Definitely need, need to start aiming higher. <laughs> Just like, yeah, go for the big, because it's crazy how many plants actually exist in like our biodiversity, but how limited we are. Like we're going to get to food after and you're just mind blown. Sunflowers, they're called pseudodanthium or composite flowers because their whole game is tricking everybody <laughs> into thinking that it's a single big ass flower. 
and it's not. Think of where you have sunflower seeds. You'll have it in the middle in that big circle. So that circle is called a disc. From where you would pull like a sunflower seed, there was a flower there. And oh. so and so each of those little ones, they're all little tiny flowers. And then they're they're all put together on a big disc. You know, for simplicity's sake, once a flower is fertilized, then it will become a fruit. But depending on what that flower looked like, whether or not it looked like a mascara wand or whether or not there was a bunch of tiny little flowers all put together or if there was a whole group of them, then basically the way we see it is that all fruit, complete with their seeds, they'll start from flowers. So that means anything with a seed from a botany perspective is actually a fruit. Mic drop. Oh my god. Okay, wait. I have I have two questions then. Okay. <laughs> the first is are pine cones flowers? So pine cones technically okay, so when we talk about gymnosperms versus angiosperms, so gymnosperms are um from an evolutionary point of view they came first. Not necessarily a flower, but a structure that has seeds. So Okay okay interesting so yeah so just it's when we when we're the flowers that we're kind of talking about they're called angiosperms and so those are our flowering plants whereas the gymnosperms came first so think of all like pine trees and like firs and balsams like your christmas trees anything with those like pine cones right because they have the seeds in them right they so just like anything that's like an evergreen yeah evergreens yeah um or ferns they don't have the same like fruit and flower systems okay yeah but they still you'll still have fertilization and then you'll have the pine cone being formed and then you have the seeds being formed and then when you have the pine cones fall or they'll drop their seeds then that's the same thing as what a tomato does or or like what a pineapple does right right okay all right so a similar note but maybe not as random is a is a pumpkin a fruit yes it's a fruit. Okay. <laughs> so okay. thanks. It belongs. Oh my god! So pumpkin stands are like fruit stands. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So okay. this is why I got into a screaming match with my, with my sister over butternut squash because it's actually the same type of fruit as a pumpkin. Um, so they're categorized. So all fruits are categorized into simple fruits that come from that develop from one female bakery. So remember, if we said the ovary is a bakery, then simple fruits they'll come from one bakery. And complex fruits come from a flower that had multiple bakeries all kind of fused together. They had like a, a complex of bakeries that then developed. Right. Okay. So like they're like like a chain operation. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Like a Dunkin' Donuts versus like an independently owned small local business. If all the Dunkin' Donuts were fused together with I like don't know why I went for Dunkin' Donuts over Tim Hortons. That was really weird. Like, you know what? I'm mad at them right now with their roll up their rhythm nonsense campaign that's all online and i get my drink and then i forget to like scan the app and i'm like just put it in the cups guys like how am i rolling up the rib digitally you can't do that no it's not the same anyways <laughs> anyway so yeah it's my so, analogy <laughs> yeah duncan for all of our u.s viewers which um we do have quite a few of them so this one's for you <laughs> anyway so yeah so when we have pumpkins butternut squash so as we separate simple and complex fruits in simple fruits so coming from one bakery you know one bakery gets fertilized makes the goods and you have like a one-to-one um so in this case the pumpkins the butternut squash any squashes like acorn squashes they're called pepos so think of like a fleshy inside with seeds and then like a super thick hard rind we think of oranges 
Oranges are similar. They have that fleshy inside, but they're like really leathery on the outside. And that's like what we have to peel off to get to that good stuff on the inside. And so the citrus species. So then you can see kind of the difference. Like, okay, that makes sense. So like in pumpkins, it's like really hard. You need a bloody knife to get through it. (laughs) And in oranges, you just need some good nails. Now, the other one that's really, you know, it's interesting how a lot of our episodes touch upon just like language and how when you borrow language or when language is a little bit like loosey-goosey and people aren't educated, it leads to this kind of issue. So when I say the word berry, what do you associate that with? Strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. I don't know, any any fruit that has berry on the end yeah, of that's, it. Yeah, that's literally what I wrote. So anything that includes that in its name. Now, what's interesting is that If we take a look into other languages, you don't always have the mention of berry, but in a lot of them you still do. So this problem, this problem is international, baby. It's not even just like an English issue because, you know, multiple, I'm trying to think of all languages that I can barely piece together. And in a lot of them, you have that berry mention. Out of the four that you gave me, the only true berry from like a botanical point of view is the Mm -hmm. blueberry. Interesting. I thought you were going to say that was the only one that wasn't a berry. Yeah, no. So berries are really, they're simple fruit. So that means that they're coming from one bakery and they're fleshy with seeds. So can you think of anything else? So if we're thinking of like a blueberry as being the architect or the archetype for a berry, can you think of anything else that's like fleshy with seeds inside of it? Currants. Currants. Tomatoes. Bananas. Bananas are berries is what you're trying to tell me right now. Yeah. I, I don't believe. Okay. <laughs> well, so Incorrect. Let's, let's I refuse. <laughs> so when we talk about strawberries and raspberries, so here's an example of your Dunkin' Donut chains that are all fused together. With strawberries and raspberries, what we would do is we would always look at what the flower looks like. When we look at the flower, the same way that in a sunflower, how when you have that big disc made up of all those little flowers, once they all get fertilized, they all become individual sunflower seeds. Right. And they look like they're all together. So with strawberries and raspberries, if you were to look at the flowers, they're actually made up of all these tiny little pieces all put together, like all the tiny little flowers. And then when they get fertilized, then they're growing. They have multiple bakeries all fused together. And then as they get fertilized, then they grow into their fruit and it's all fused together. And so they're actually made up each strawberry, each raspberry, each blackberry is made up of one tiny like you know those like tiny little little juicy like i don't know circles on a raspberry yeah yeah so those are just a bunch of smaller fruits all fused together and so that's an example of complex fruits interesting so a raspberry still i'm still shook about bananas being berries (laughs) so a raspberry is uh it's called an aggregate of berries so imagine like a bunch of tomatoes all fused together that's basically what a raspberry is Oh, so they're like a million tiny little berries make one super raspberry. Exactly. Which is what we eat. Um. Okay, wait. So I saw this thing on Pinterest forever ago. Like, I feel like it was literally years ago. That was saying how with like bell peppers, you can tell the difference between like a male and a female. And like, is there any truth to that? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. It's fake news. <laughs> Only flowers are differentiated by sexes and when you see like I I literally have 
an mm-hmm. ongoing comment on Pinterest because somebody, uh, I saw a post about watermelons and how, you know, ones that look like this are females and ones that look like this are males. And I literally commented, I was like, yeah, no, this isn't true. Like you only mm-hmm. have sex differentiation in flowers. Like fruit, you can't have a male or a female fruit. You just have the one fruit and inside of it are the seeds that will produce a plant that as either has flowers male and female on one or two separate but that doesn't change like there is no like oh is this one going to be a boy or is this one? you know we're going to do a gender reveal for for the the pepper right <laughs> so <laughs> i remember seeing that that thing about the peppers as well and it was talking about the difference between four bumps or three bumps and mm-hmm. those bumps it's just basically like a section it's just a room in your bakery does that make sense yeah 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 so things are separated you know and you'll have and so it's called a locule but did you know that 90 percent of the food that we eat comes from 30 plants what yeah and they're not the 30 you know it's not like we had like an american idol for the 30 best plants or like where it's like the best and the brightest that what are those there's like the great british bake-off Okay. Yes. <laughs> edible plants, and we didn't just like pick one winner. I'm saying we pick 30, 30 winners. Okay. <laughs> this metaphor is a train wreck. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna clean it up. I'm gonna clean this up. Okay, so if ninety percent of our food comes from thirty plants, those thirty plants are not like the best and the str- we didn't have like a Hunger Games over thirty years, and and the winner of of each of those you know became one of those 30 spots basically we chose plants that were cheap uh easy to grow and suffice to say maybe weren't the most nutritious or the healthiest whatever okay there are eighty thousand edible plants and 90 percent of what we eat comes from only 30 of those and of those 30 a lot of plants or a lot of like food that we eat that we think is different actually comes from the same bloody plant explain please (laughs) okay so it will we'll get into vegetables but basically cabbage brussels sprouts kale broccoli what do all those have in common green they're all the same plant what yeah so they're all coming from the same plant but they have been bred and selected for different parts of that plant that's literally so crazy to me it just goes to show that like we were a little bit lazy, <laughs> a little bit inventive, and just how much a plant can be changed when you and like why there was eighty thousand plants we could have picked and we decided to genetically mutate one into like eight new plants. So it's it's not like uh we go into the lab and we're like zap 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 here's kale. <laughs> like this is a process over, you know, a long long point of view. Like you have to remember that people before a certain t- point in history, they were nomadic. And one of the things that when you study human history from the point of food, we change we were nomadic because we were moving with the food. When did we stop moving? When we learned to farm. When we learned to, well, before we learned to farm and while we were still being nomadic, we would go to different areas and like pull out plants we didn't want to let the ones that we did want grow better. And then that eventually leads into farming and eventually lets us stay in one place. Huh. I did not. I'm like just processing in my brain the fact that we eat the same 30 
fruits and vegetables all the time. All right, okay, so then, like, what is, if we're eating the same fruits and vegetables all the time, this, like, same group of 30, like, what is a vegetable? So this is why the grocery store, I'm like, no, (laughs) because I think, you know, you learn about fruits and vegetables, and there's that whole joke that, like, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting it into a fruit salad. And it's this idea that, like, <laughs> have you heard that before? Never. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Yeah. Botany jokes. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> okay. That's something else. <laughs> botany... I, I heard. I heard another botany convention <laughs> that I went to. <laughs> Actually, for our wedding, one of our friends wrote us a a botany joke themed card, and I was crying, and Tilo didn't get it. I'll have to find it. <laughs> And read it to everybody and then only have me laughing at it. But so <laughs> from like a botany perspective, there is no such thing per se as a vegetable. Like if we're looking from a definition point of view and you want to align it to something that you're kind of familiar with, then you could say that a vegetable is any part of the plant that can be eaten. Specifically from when we're talking about botany, everything that you classify as a vegetable actually has a specific name to it you know the same way that we have pepo or hesperidian or berry there is a classification and there is like an understanding of where it comes from they're not all equal so for example carrots and potatoes so they're examples of modified root storage structures and they're called tubers and both of these plants have flowers that once fertilized become fruit above ground you can eat carrot flowers <laughs> okay but if you eat a potato flower you're dead because they belong to the nightshade family. Actually? Actually. I did not know that. Right? So even, there's like a little bit of stress when it comes from, so if you take a potato, like did you ever, what's the Matt Damon movie? The Martian. That was gonna, I was going to say The Martian, but I thought that was too obvious. No, no. <laughs> so, okay. If <laughs> uh, anybody unfamiliar with the plot, basically an astronaut, a Martian, a Martian astronaut, I guess? Yeah. He He's left behind on Mars in their like little living space and they have to leave without him he basically has to survive on mars for like x amount of days and he has potatoes so because a potato is a modified storage structure and it's a modified root what that means is that you can grow potatoes from potatoes and you would do this by just planting it in the ground like have you ever left potatoes in a bag Ooh, way too long everything starts to smell funky and then you pull them out and like they have these little eyes that have now sprouted things out yes yeah if you were to plant that it would grow into a full-blown potato plant oh interesting okay. so you could just like check that in your garden yeah that is actually how we have the great the irish famine is when you are just taking pieces of like the potato and cutting them up and making more potatoes is that you're losing some genetic diversity and we're always the goal is always to increase genetic diversity by having the flower parts do their thing right what you want to have (laughs) like new genetic diversity mixing and breeding and you know not just taking the same plant like remember when we were talking about coral and how if we frag the coral we take pieces of coral off it'll grow into more coral but it's not reproducing sexually so therefore you lose some of that genetic diversity and in in the irish famine the potato irish famine you have a disease basically wipe them out because most of those potatoes were the same potato 
genetics yeah yeah <laughs> yeah genetics. Well, i did not yeah <laughs> i did not know that about yeah. the irish potato famine yeah so it was just basically because people weren't paying attention to botany botany is dangerous now like <laughs> What do we look at? Like something like onions. Bunny is bunny is cool and dangerous. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> We're gonna make shirts. <laughs> so when we think of like onions, right? So those are modified stems, again for storage, and they're called bulbs. Onions, garlic, shallots, anything kind of growing underground, right? So it's an underground modified stem. Now, if we think of like something like ginger, same thing. It's a modified underground stem, but in this case, they grow horizontally, and they're called rhizomes. And so ginger is another example of a plant whose flowers you could eat that are above ground, and you can eat those storage functions below. What do ginger flowers taste like? Like, do you know? I don't know. I haven't tried them. Like, do they taste similar to the root? I don't know. They smell similar. I grew the plant once. Zingaber, Zinzaber, Zingaber officinale. The ginger flowers... Are consumed when the buds are su- buds are somewhat closed and they have a crisp succulent and lightweight texture to them and they have citrus forward notes that are sweet and sour interesting yeah. i feel like those would be good in like a salad yeah right Eighty thousand edible <laughs> edible plants let's get it <laughs> edible plants and we're only eating 30 of them <laughs> we've established that avocado is a fruit and we've established that i know little to nothing about plants but <laughs> what about this whole like avocado concept was the inspiration for for you to write this episode it's for me to beg you to do this episode yeah so (laughs) a quick little side story when you have like the fleshy part of fruit so like when we think of avocado you have like a rind right and then you have your fleshy part and then you have what's called the droop or like a part on the inside that contains the seed and when you think of anything kind of fleshy fruit wise because like we covered like fruits that are like juicy but there's so many other fruit types yeah that's like a a whole other note on this episode is that we there's so many of different groupings and categorizations but like we just kind of touched upon the ones that you know will just get your brain being like what (laughs) so anything in short that like has some sort of fleshy part to it basically evolved as like a treat or like a reward for whatever was going to help take the seeds inside that fruit somewhere else and a lot of seeds actually need to pass through digestive tracts like there's different things that need to happen to those seeds so that they get the signal that they can start growing so my husband and I we were talking about avocados and I thought to myself like okay so what the heck is moving avocados by definition they have that fleshy part and they have this this ginormous seed that's inside that big like pit that we have in the middle Right. right, and it has this fleshy green goodness, which implies that it's a, a large animal that's moving it around. But I'm trying to think, like, you know, they grow in North America, like the south part of North America, into South America. Like, what the heck is moving it? We looked it up, and I was reading through, and the next part is kind of paraphrased from a fantastic Smithsonian article uh, called "Why the Avocado Should Have Gone the Way of the Dodo." Um, it was written by Kay Annabelle Smith. What we know about avocados as like a plant and a species is that they've they've already hit their prime. We were <laughs> laughing about that in one of the episodes about that you didn't want to peak in, in elementary school. Oh, like school. not wanting to peak in elementary school, yeah. Yeah, so they hit their, they peak during the beginning of the Cenozoic era when you have megafauna. So that includes like mammoths, horses, 
and giant ground sloths. Some of them weighing as much as like a UPS truck roaming oh my God. across North America. <laughs> You're telling me there used to be sloths the size of UPS trucks. <laughs> that would weigh more than a UPS truck. Also, UPS trucks? Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> Did we move to the U.S.? <laughs> I'm mad at Canada Post 2 right now. So. <laughs> but basically, so the avocado fruit, you know, would attract these very large animals. And now when megafauna is a really fun word, okay? So like when we think flora and fauna, right? Thinking like plants and animals. And so megafauna by definition is something that weighs at least 100 pounds which by definition therefore <laughs> means that your girl's a megafauna right now with with a very pregnant <laughs> belly <laughs> but anyway so you have these animals that would eat that avocado whole they would travel far distances they would poop and then they would leave that seed in a new place to grow that's really the the goal of all of us you know any living thing is survival <laughs> growth right and then reproduction where what whatever you make and create uh, makes it to like a sexual reproductive age and can then itself continue doing that the chain yeah yeah okay you don't want to break the chain the weird thing is is that these these giant ass sloths the galapagos sloths um they disappeared like forever (laughs) about thirteen thousand years ago in the western hemisphere so even after this like major shift in land mammal population the avocados didn't change very much and they still require like the same method of dispersal makes them an evolutionary head scratcher because we don't exactly know <laughs> like it's been 13,000 years the avocado doesn't know that all these mammals are gone we don't know how they continued on you don't have like a giant animal to eat it off the tree carry it and poop it out then basically what happens is those avocados will eventually fall off the tree they'll grow into more trees and then they're all competing against each other and that's not what you want you don't want the parent like the parent will end up having to kill off babies so that it continues to survive and it just messes with the whole thing side note i'm looking up these galapagos like eight foot tall sloths and they are Horrifying. I was making a joke. I didn't know there was actual Galapagos sloths. I was just oh, I've been sitting here Googling. Well, apparently there is Darwin's lost sloth. Here I am Googling Galapagos sloth like you're telling me facts. <laughs> oh, no, that was a joke. Sorry. There is a really there's a, a fantastic comedian named Theo Vaughn. And he has, if you want to see me like turn the, the brightest red and just like snort through an entire comedic sketch, there is a, well, you know, put in the show notes. And, and uh, yeah, I was just making a joke to myself there. But yeah, good to know that they okay. actually exist. Well, okay, I don't think they were called Galapagos sloths, but apparently there was footprints, d- prehistoric footprints discovered in New Mexico of gi- eight foot tall giant ground sloths. Yeah, so According that's yeah, so that's the ones the that we're talking about, the giant ground sloths. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. not Galapagos. Not Galapagos. So, just so my... a Google search will turn up the correct results if you, <laughs> if you, if you fact check us. <laughs> How the avocado exists, if it doesn't have its main route of getting around and like surviving, that remains a puzzle. And like even 
as you have homo sapiens like people they're evolving to the point where they can cultivate fruit and then they grow it it's just crazy how that has changed right because like back when those giant sloths other and other animals were roaming around the earth the avocado would have just really been like a large seed with like a smaller fleshy area just like like a little taste they would just eat everything and that wouldn't be super attractive to us if you're a like a farmer or nomadic person 13 thousand years ago 10,000 years ago you want something that like is really gonna feed you right it's been over time that we've kind of bulked up the avocado so that we have a smaller and smaller smaller seed and more and more avocado for your toast huh yeah so like I mean wild avocados that like everybody else was eating x amount of years ago you probably wouldn't look at them and be like yummy you'd be like oh that's gross <laughs> right but like <laughs> disgusting <laughs> <laughs> it's weird sometimes at the grocery store like you'll go in and you never know what kind of avocado you're gonna get like sometimes you'll have like a tiny seed lots of green goodness and then other times you have a honking ginormous <laughs> pit and you're like yeah oh great i, I spent seven dollars on a pit <laughs> you know? yeah on enough for half a piece of toast <laughs> that that's basically where that came from so i thought that was so cool that the avocado you know through evolution managed to get here to be on my toast with feta and balsamic Yeah, that's so interesting. I also truly cannot stop thinking about eight-foot-tall sloths. <laughs> like, that is unnerving. Do they move as slowly as normal sloths? So, no, probably not. Like, when we have... If they're ground sloths, right, then they're going to have a different mechanism of movement. Is just what I'm speculating based on how, like, treat sloths survive. Right. As a ground sloth. I'm thinking, like, Sid the Sloth, Kim. I, I'm pretty sure that he is... Oh, from Ice Age. Yeah, yeah. I had I have beef with the Ice Age movies. Why? I don't know why. I don't have a reason for why. I just don't like them. I think they're they're that bad. I think they're. I think there's just because there's eight hundred of them. But have you seen any of them? I'm I'm like I started rewatching. Maybe (laughs) maybe the first one, but I think even as a kid I didn't like it. The first one's like weirdly sad, but two, three, and four, I promise, are you're in for a. For like a silly treat. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a young like my my youngest sister is eight years younger. I'm weirdly in like th- there's this whole like era of children's movies that we were still kind of watching. So it would make sense that somebody our age wouldn't be like, yeah, Ice Age is hilarious. Well, the first Ice Age did come out when we were kids. I don't know what my like issue is with it, but I just, just like... giant sloth. <laughs> it's the giant sloths that's what it's coming back to it's just like there's something about them i find unnerving and i have from an early age so normally our philomath segment is the last segment of the show but um so for those of you that don't know that kim is a huge harry potter fan or at least she was when she was younger is what i'll say tactfully and tastefully uh so (laughs) we'll finish with a segment called scientific name or harry potter spell are you I ready? I feel Kim? like now you've hyped me up. I better get all these right, or else I'm gonna be so so embarrassed. I'm gonna be ashamed by my 13 <laughs> year old self who was like scouring Harry Potter forums to learn all the. I did make the them latest super facts. hard. We'll see if they. Okay, um, I'm ready. So yeah, so basically, I'm, I'm ready for a challenge. I'll read you it. Bonus points if you do get that it's plant or a spell. If you can tell me what it actually pertains to, okay? Okay. Okay. Ready. First one. Nervous. <laughs> Sectum Sempra. Harry Potter spell. 
What does it do? And it it uh it like uh slices a person up. Like they start <laughs> they start <laughs> they start bleeding everywhere. Okay, I thought I, I thought I was gonna pick hard ones. Yeah, that's correct. So it causes severe lacerations. Yeah. All right. S- slices a person up. It's the same thing. <laughs> Basically. Magifera indica. Plant. Belonging. Cannot tell you. It's a to. mango. No, yeah, see, I'm going to be able to be like, Harry Potter's villain, it does this, this, and this, and then be like, I think it's a plant. <laughs> I think we would both do well if there was ever a trivia where this was a thing, because it's like, you know, we could do like a, it takes two kind of photo yeah, we've shoot, got, like back to back. We've got both grounds covered in very different ways. Um, So, curcuma longa. Plant. Turmeric. Nice, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pure totem locomotor. Harry Potter spell. And what does it do? Uh, something about movement, I'm going to say. But I, I maybe petrifies somebody? Like, makes their body seize up? But I feel like I'm wrong. It animates statues. Oh, okay. I knew it had something to do with movement. I just couldn't tell if it was stopping or starting it. As a listener, which I think most listeners will fall on the being able to guess the Harry Potter spell before they can guess the... The plant name. The plant name, yeah. Paonia sufructicosa. Uh, definitely a plant. Something sugary. It's a mountain peony. Oh, okay. So sweet. That's what I was going for with the fru- fructose. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The, the logic and the thought process, it's there. Yeah. Orchideus. Uh, a plant. An orchid. You got it wrong, Kim. <gasps> That was is, my... it a Harry... is it a Harry Potter spell? It is. <laughs> what? Now you're going to hear Kim going through the books really quickly as she's like, oh, yeah, so here, you'll hear the... me paging through. Yes. <laughs> she's actually doing it, guys. <laughs> I'm so... livid. What the heck is that spell? It grows. If it's a spell about, don't say it, it grows flowers. I'm going to be so angry. It grows flowers from the end of the wand. <laughs> And when I was that looking, is made up. <laughs> when I was looking up like the Harry Potter spells and stuff, there was literally like a in quotes being like, "Gents, you're gonna want to know this one for girls." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" This like language to- or like the way that comment was written, I was like, "This doesn't necessarily feel very Harry Potter <laughs> reader vibes, but it's still really funny." So that yeah. is, I I don't know when that would have been used in the Harry Potter books, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> I could be wrong, Kim. I did look them up. Harry Potter spells that are not in the movies. So I tried to find. No, you're probably right. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) You know that she's gonna text me tomorrow and be like, "Um, we're gonna go ahead and edit that out and pretend that I got it right." (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm gonna need you to get a perfect score. (laughs) So. Um, but yeah, so that, so how did you do as a listener? Did you get, did anybody get those right? Can't wait to hear what you guys did. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, uh, post them on our Instagram story the week that this, uh, the day this episode comes out and you can play along with some, some different ones. We'll come up with some different ones. Awesome. Yeah. So that concludes episode eight. 
I hope you guys, I hope everybody could follow because I, I think I was getting super overwhelmed in writing this one because I was like, oh, gotta talk about this, gotta talk about this. Okay, like, <laughs> what magical metaphor am I gonna use? So, like, next time you go to the grocery store, yeah, make a face at how they organize things. You know, be mad that you've been you've been schooled and and, get, and you still don't get know. angry. <laughs> get angry and fight for the plants and you know it just it it goes to show that you know plants are cool because kim could probably count how many times she said i did not know that i feel like that was uh Uh, yeah Yeah, and i'm like like, find like 20 new plants i can eat because clearly i have options that i'm not utilizing so thank you for listening and learning and loving plants as much as I do. <laughs> so that concludes episode eight. Avocado, I hardly know her. And if you like this episode, please follow us on Instagram at at A-T-W-H-I-T-S-E-N-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That's at at Wits End Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening on Apple Music, we would love you forever and always if you could give us a five-star review and maybe leave some feedback on what you liked about this episode or any of our episodes. Uh, it helps us a lot to move up the podcast rankings. Bye-bye for now. Bye!